Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is episode 97 of the show, and today we have Mr. Ryan Baker with us. Ryan is the founder of Upsourced Accounting, and with tax day right around the corner, we couldn't think of a more appropriate time to air this episode. Ryan has a great story, and we hope you learn a lot from his insights and his entrepreneurial experience. Before we get to that interview, though, I want to ask you all for a quick favor. If you haven't already, pick up your phone and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're listening on. It really helps support our show, and it'll make sure you never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. We also want to take a moment to thank some of our supporters. Conquering Columbus is brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. And for more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at gofmx.com. Mike here again. Do you want to be a sponsor of Conquering Columbus? We are looking for some new supporters to help keep the show going in 2018. To inquire about how you can help support the podcast, please send an email to mike at conqueringcolumbus.com. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Uh, Today on the show, we have Ryan Baker. He's the founder of Upsourced Accounting. And Upsourced Accounting is a virtual accounting firm targeting startups, creative agencies, and established small businesses. Uh, Before Upsourced Accounting, Ryan was also a founder and COO at SQRL. And he spent some time as an accountant at Lockheed Martin. And welcome to Conquering Columbus, Ryan. We're excited to have you here today. Yeah, awesome. Excited. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, you had to brave a bit of a uh, bit of a storm to get here this uh, this evening, there huh? Is, there are some tornadoes flying around Columbus, apparently. <laughs> but uh, so so I'm guessing that's probably not your typical day, though. What, what's what's a typical <laughs> day look like for you? Yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, so today was a little different, but I can I'll go through today just as uh, as an example. Uh, it, different because it started with my four year old had a had a 130 degree fever when she woke up. So, um, but you know, part of the advantage of, of being a small business, so there's some flexibility there. So my wife took the the first half of the day, went to school. Uh, I stayed home with her. Uh, my school wasn't a teacher, and then uh, she came home, and I went to work in the afternoon. Um, so, but from home, which uh, it's, it's always nice to be able to work from home. I, I took a couple client calls. 
wrapping up tax season, so so we're dealing with some of those, you know, kind of trying to wind that down and get everybody squared away. So talked to a couple clients between probably nine and ten thirty, um, and and then it was uh, kind of into the um, the daily routine of getting through the task list, the the uh, checking off the client deliverables that that we need to follow up on. Went into the office and and spent some time with uh, a couple different of our, our staff accountants as they're working through issues. Um, you know, a lot a lot of the afternoons I spend kind of bouncing around between uh, different staff, just kind of making sure direction traffic, making sure everybody's getting clients what they need, um, and then kind of end of the day trying to get through that that never ending that never ending inbox uh, and clean out clean out the email and um, and then I I braved a tornado and now I'm here hanging out with you guys. So uh, it's been a pretty good day and that's that's relatively representative of of kind of the typical day in the uh, the accounting world, I guess. So a lot of people, you know, I think last year more so than this year, but. A lot of people go for that inbox zero. Are you an inbox zero type of guy, or do you, you know, constantly have a growing I'm a, list? Yeah, that I'm, when a, you can get I'm, to a, it? I'm a starred zero kind of a guy. So I got, <laughs> you know, I, you've got the star system, and, yep. and and it's kind of every day before I like go to bed. I, you know, I'm kind of, and a lot of times this is like after you put the kids down, you're down there, you know, nine o'clock or whatever. But it's uh, that's the goal. Is like I'll I'll watch the turn on the TV when the stars are zero, uh, <laughs> which doesn't always happen, but that's that's the goal. Before we dive into too much detail on, on what you have going on right now on your team and uh, everything that you guys got kind of centered around your projects, let's talk about the beginning and maybe your upbringing and then your path through um, to high school and college and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, pretty uh, pretty typical childhood in Beaver Creek, Ohio. I have two younger brothers, uh, Rick and Chad. Um, and then I, in, in high school, you know, went to Beaver Creek High School, kind of the I was I was definitely involved in in sort of um, some business type things, but the most thing that I did the most was you know sports and typical high school stuff. I was a, I played basketball and baseball, um, and you know just try to spend as much time as humanly possible with my friends and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I uh, from there went went to Ohio State. So uh, and that was always kind of the direction that I wanted to go. I, I think I only applied to one school. I was very much, both my parents went to Ohio State. And, and so from a pretty early age, um, I was pretty sure I wanted to go be a Buckeye. You know, it, it started out because I love the football team, but then it turns out they had a great business school. So that was like sort of lucked into that one. But um, but yeah, you know, kind of typical, typical upbringing, I would say. What did your parents do for a living? Uh, yeah, so like I said, they both graduated from Ohio State. My dad was, uh, I think, maybe one of like the first computer science majors ever at Ohio State. Uh, so he's he's been kind of a lifelong programmer. Uh, spent a lot of time in, in in sort of the defense contracting world, where you know grew up by Wright Pat Air Force Base. And then my mom has been sort of a lifelong social worker. So in um, a lot of different foster care and adoption agencies, um, and and spent a lot of time trying to find. You know, foster kids, adoptive homes, and things like that, which is um, which is kind of the direction. My my brothers are also both sort of in um, the social services, if you will. The, the youngest one, Rick, is in um, Hamilton County, working for um, a community action program that helps 18 to 24 year olds find um, uh, either schooling or work. And then uh, the middle brother is an attorney in Chicago, works for a legal assistance foundation. So. A lot of that uh, kind of influences how I look at the small business world too. Is kind of come from a family of of people trying to to make a difference, and I think that really informs the way you know that I try to grow the grow the business. And your brothers both went to Ohio State as well, or did they branch they, out? They did not. The uh, youngest one went to UC, 
uh, so he's a Bearcat. And then uh, Chad went from DePaul in Chicago to Harvard uh, Law and then back to Chicago to, to live and work. So. so what drew you towards finance then? I mean, it sounds like, you know, you didn't have a lot of people in the family that had a background in accounting mm -hmm. or finance. What, what kind of drew you towards that field? Yeah, that is true. Um, I think, you know, it was a little bit of um, me, me trying to figure out the thing that I was th the best at relative to, to my peers and, and, and just through my own personal experience. And um, I, can, I can remember money just always kind of making sense to me from, from a very early age. And and, and not in a greedy way, or but just in a way where I wanted to understand it. I wanted to to know what do things cost. And I mean, this is all the way back to, to very early memories. I remember um, in uh, in fourth grade, we had a small business contest. You know, like in elementary school, it's like a you know pretty silly thing, right? But like the idea was you had to come up with a product, and then everybody's going to go to the gymnasium, and and there was going to be like a mock business fair. Um, and I can remember, I didn't care much about the product, but I kind of figured out that relatively easily I could make like triple strength Kool-Aid and put it in ice trays and put uh, toothpicks in them and, and make popsicles, right? And, but I can remember, even as a fourth grader, sort of just came very natural to me to sort of think about the unit economics of that. So how much Kool-Aid am I using? How much time is it taking to make these things? Uh, okay, they're four cents a piece or whatever. If I sell them for for ten cents a piece, like this is my margin kind of a thing. And I remember getting to the business fair and kind of you know kind of talking to other students about that, and and they were like clueless, right? They're like, "What are you talking about? Like, I don't. What are you selling your you know What are you selling your product for? Like, I don't know, five bucks, two cents, like what? So it was just like, oh, you guys, okay, this makes sense. But at the same time, like I didn't have a very good display like I wasn't a very good marketer like I didn't I didn't even think to like name the product you know so it was just kind of that that evolution of my life thinking like okay relative to the things I'm seeing like this is an area that really hits home for me and and something I really enjoy and um that that kind of led me to as soon as I left for college kind of it was straight to the business school like I knew exactly you know what I wanted to do you're a much more sophisticated fourth grader than me. My, my only, my, my <laughs> fondest memory of fourth grade is I uh, made it to like our second round of spelling bee contest. I remember losing to a kid who looked like he was like 30, had facial hair already, and it just yeah. like drove me insane. I was like, why are there 30 year olds in this freaking contest? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's kind of what, what the reaction I got when I was walking around the business fair. People were like, why are you taking this so seriously? And I was like, I don't know. I'm trying to make money. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you talked a little bit, you mentioned there for a second, but let's talk about the path, leaving Ohio State, um, your first job, and kind of how things start to unravel from that point. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, my first job after Ohio State, which was really the only job I had before starting this company, was as a, as a staff accountant at Lockheed Martin, which is a big defense contractor. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that I wanted to go into some type of finance or accounting, but I didn't want to go into like that sort of that public accounting route. Uh, it just seemed, you know, very much, uh, and my business partner, you know, Ryan Watson went down this path and it, it was, it's a great experience, but I was trying to kind of avoid the classic big four accounting firm tax season sort of a thing in my first job. So I applied to just a lot of kind of corporations and I learned, I figured out that um, I, a lot of people don't know that Lockheed Martin has a Columbus office because it's really tiny, um, but the, defense finance and accounting services run by the federal government, which processes basically all of the defense 
contractor payments is located, you know, DFAS is located in Columbus. So Lockheed Martin has this strategically placed office um, to sort of manage the finances of all their big, you know, billion dollar contracts. So that was, so I went to work there um, in uh, 2008 when I graduated from Ohio State and it was a really good experience because it was kind of the best of both worlds. It was an office of, uh, in my time there, it kind of, it was between like 20 and 25 people. Um, but it's a giant $50 billion company. So you, I kind of had this unique experience of getting to work at this huge $50 billion company, but inside of this really close knit team of you know, 22 people. Um, and, and through that experience, I, I kind of you know, learned about myself that that was something that I really liked, something I really enjoyed was kind of that, that small office feel. Um, and it didn't, you know, it didn't matter that the company was huge, but, but this, this idea of having kind of a close knit office of, you know, 20 people that all kind of knew each other and, um, and, and saw each other every day was, was something I really liked about it. But then also I got to do, because of the size of the company, uh, I got to do a lot of different things and, and, and in the area of finance and accounting and, and touch a lot of different areas of the business. And th th this particular place, uh, office was like a shared services. So our clients were the different business units. Um, so getting to bounce around to different business units was almost like having jobs at different companies because you're supporting entirely different business units. Um, and so through that, I kind of figured out, I learned a lot and kind of figured out things that, you know, I wanted to do and, and, and didn't want to do. And it was, it was a good, definitely a good experience. I was there for about exactly five years. And that five-year mark, kind of how does the path to entrepreneurship in your mind evolve? Mm -hmm. And what does the exit look like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely always, uh, you know, dating back to the, the fourth grade that was very serious about the business con contest, I, I always had this idea in my mind that it's some, an entrepreneur uh, was something I wanted to be. But I didn't know how to execute. I didn't have any idea how to execute that coming out of school. So we would, you know, me and my friends would talk. We'd come up with ideas. You know, we'd spend late Friday nights playing cards, thinking about business ideas and pitching to each other. But it, it, it was very clear to me coming out of school that I needed real experience. And I think um, it, was, it was really good to get that for, for a solid five years, both um, from an accounting standpoint and also just from like a, a personal and leadership development standpoint. Like I had you know, several good mentors at that first job that kind of taught me what it was, what client service was all about and, and what leading a team was all about. And, and those are things I needed to be in an environment like that to learn in a corporate environment. Um, and then, but you know, after I kind of got that five year itch after five years, it happened a little before that really, but um, it, it felt okay. You know, I can, I, I've learned, I can do this. Like I, I've learned a lot. I, the, the, the nuts and bolts of accounting are something I understand now from the real world standpoint. And then also, you know, I'm five years into this and I think I understand um, that this is a great job, but I, I want to do something more than this, and I want to have I want to have an impact at, at a level that's a little bit different than than the impact you can have at a at a fifty billion dollar company. So that kind of led me to, to uh, look at look to that the entrepreneurship path. Kind of once I had gotten through that first five years, right? And did from there did you go straight into founding Upsource Accounting? I mean, we yeah. mentioned SQRL earlier. Is that so? You yeah, and, and so and SQL was which we pronounce squirrel, which squirrel. is confusing. Yeah, but <laughs> so that and that this was related to upsource accounting. So there's so I'll give you the backstory on that. So um, I mentioned earlier my uh, co-founder Ryan Watson, business partner, same sort of path, Beaver Creek, Ohio, to Ohio State, 
school bit Fisher School Business to Delo he went Deloitte, so he went public accounting, and you know we stayed in close contact and we're kind of always kicking business ideas off each other. So we started um, before you know that five year mark where I left the job. We kind of started on nights and weekends kicking ideas around, you know, planning stuff out, um, trying to learn how to use QuickBooks, just the things that in our spare time. Um, and, and we started to kind of see that we thought there was a real opportunity to build an accounting firm um, from the ground up. Kind of the, the, the game plan was, or the idea was, look at all this inefficiency in the accounting industry. Like we're, we're you know, the internet exists now and we've still got all these accountants using paper receipts and, um, you know, the, the kind of the old adage of the shoebox full of receipts kind of a thing. So we thought, what would it look like if you built an accounting from the ground up? Well, we'd sure like to try. Um, and, and so it started by, by, you know, calling friends and family and trying to find somebody who owned a business that would let us be their accountant. And so that happened, you know, before we kind of had to prove that concept out before we, we quit our jobs. Um, and at the time, he had actually left Deloitte, and he was out in D.C. working as a consultant. And, and so once we signed up a client, and it was like, yeah, this works. Like, this is better than any other option this client has, even though we're doing it on a Tuesday night at 8 or whatever. He, so he, uh, he quit his job and moved back to Columbus, actually moved in with me for a little bit because of the quitting his job part. Um, and we tested that for a little bit longer. And then... Getting to the squirrel part of the story, there's a startup, a startup accelerator in Cincinnati called The Brandery, and probably what we should have done is just take upsourced accounting through The Brandery. But uh, at the time, we were also kind of thinking, you know what we could really do, speaking of building an accounting firm from the ground up, is like we could build accounting software or an accounting tool, we could just sell it to all these other firms, accounting firms in the whole world that like need to modernize their practice. So that's what Squirrel was, uh, was the, the, it was trying to solve the pain point of accountants trying to collect documents, right? So you have a CPA and they're doing your taxes and they need like 18 things from you. Um, we, Squirrel was a software tool that would go collect those 18 things. Uh, so anyway, we spun that off as a separate company. Um, it went through the brandery, but at, we, at the time we got accepted into the brandery, that was when I kind of had, to, you know, we had to make the decision to dive all in. So at that point, I put in the two weeks notice at Lockheed Martin, and we went down to Cincinnati um, as a team of three. Ryan Watson and Craig Baldwin were the other two co-founders of Squirrel, and and I kept upsourced accounting going from the startup accelerator. Um, which was a great experience too. The, the, the three of us, we raised a little bit of money, we learned a ton, we talked to hundreds or thousands of accountants and accounting firms throughout that process. So kind of accidentally, um, starting Squirrel, raising money, trying to sell it, eventually kind of winding that business down and selling it, taught us how to be much better accounting firm owners. Mm -hmm. um, and and so it it, it was a complicated, confusing time, but it, the end result was, I think, an even better foundation for the answer to that question of how do you build an accounting firm from the ground up? Because we, we knew what all these accountant, accounting firms were struggling with and what, you know, what, what their clients wanted. Um, and, and so from there, we've, we've kind of run with it in the last um, you know, four years or so have just been all, all upsourced accounting all the time trying to grow that business um, to what it is now and hopefully what it'll be someday. So. So what did you learn in the process with Squirrel in terms of, you know, building that up, going through the brandery, and then 
um, learning when it was the right time to wind it down and kind of uh, make peace with it? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think the, the most important thing that we learned uh, was that we were, we're accountants and, and we are really good at that. Um, we're not developers, like we're not software people. And so we had a good idea, I think, but yeah, we had to outsource all the development. And so that's where, and that's, that's why we had to raise money and that's where the money got spent on was, was buying developers. Um, I think, you know, had we been coders and developers ourselves, like probably could have made that business work, but it became pretty apparent to us, like we're really pretty good at this building an accounting firm thing and this doing accounting thing. Um, this business idea is pretty cool, but it's such a pain to hire people <laughs> to build it. Um, which we did. I mean, we built it and it is still a product. You, I mean, it, we used it for a few tax seasons internally, several, uh, we had, you know, lots of, of paying customers. It was the kind of tool that, you know, it was sort of a, think of it as like a $10 a month subscription, right? So we needed to sell tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of subscriptions to make it a, a good business model. And we were having a lot of success selling dozens or hundreds. And it was like, let's focus this effort on, 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 upsur on the, on the firm because it, that was still growing throughout this whole process. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that became sort of, for me especially, like the clear like light bulb moment is like this, we're, put it, we're putting all this, beating our head against the wall to make the software company. And like this service company is doing well and people really need more of it. So we started kind of, um, came back to Columbus, got an office in the short north, started hiring accountants and um, you know, here we are. So it was, it was definitely a learning experience. It was, I, I don't think we'd be where we were at, where we're at today without it. Um, but it definitely taught me that like the service firm is where, you know, where I want to be. Yeah. And, and can you tell us a little bit about how, what those early days looked like for upsource accounting yeah. and specifically maybe how they're different compared to today? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. It's kind of, and it's fun to think about, um, because it has changed so much it's in the last five years, but the, when, you know, so if we're picking up from, okay, focusing on the, the service firm, um, you know, I came back to Columbus and rented uh, some, some a small office space in, in the short north, and we hired our first accountant. And for the, you know, so for the first six months of, of me kind of focusing on it, it was just me doing the work. And then for the next six months, uh, it was me and Audrey, our, our first accountant hire, doing the work, you know, just the two of us in the, in the basement together. And, 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 and we had this dream of having a company, but in reality, it was really you know, me doing accounting work for the first, a lot of the first year um, and, and trying to build process and trying to, but you're scratching and you're clawing and, and, and so much of it is, is not at all glamorous. Like I could probably pick out weeks or months in the first year where my effective hourly rate was like, a le you know, criminal, like $8 an hour or something, right? You're just trying to, you're just trying to, cause your, your people are paying you a little bit of money cause you're not a proven firm yet. And it's taking you twice as long as you think it should take you. And, but you're learning along the way. And so I just, we just kept, just kept going and kept slogging it out and kept getting a little more efficient and, and then charge the next client more money and then get a little bit more efficient and repeat that process and then get a little more efficient and train a staff member to do that same process. And then, so a, you know, eventually the, the biggest change for, for me personally and, and, and actually growing the firm was going from directly delivering service to building process and training staff to deliver the service for the company. And that's really when, you know, we started to be able to like grow and, and started to feel like a company, right? It's like, we want you to have people 
that are executing the processes you built and servicing clients and I'm not directly involved, it starts to feel like, okay, like this is working. This is not just me selling myself as a consultant or an accountant. This is me building a process in a company. And, and, and that, that's the biggest change, I think, from now to, to back in the beginning of just kind of, you know, slogging it out personally. And what point did that pivot happen? Because I know, you know, you can judge a business model fairly well on the point where the creator can stop working in the business and work on the business, and then mm-hmm. you can actually scale it and eventually um, exit if that's your preference. But how long did it take you to that point? You know, what was the context, employees, um, customers? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, probably that throughout that first year is kind of what I described. That second year, we started to get over that hurdle a little bit, hired another accountant, and then it became clear, okay, we have a, we have a system that's working, we have a process that's working, I'm not very, I'm not a, I'm still not a marketer. So I I dug in and and tried to like learn sales and marketing a little bit, but it became pretty clear to me. I still needed to be focused on the business and client service and training, but we needed somebody full-time focused on growth. And so maybe a little bit earlier than it it economically made sense, or it made me a little bit nervous to do, um, like our, our, I think our like fourth hire, but like our third full-time hire was somebody who was not an accountant at all. Um, she was a, she was a, in business development, we hired her out and basically just full-time business development and, and said, go grow this company, go get us leads basically. And, and, but it was just the fact that somebody was spending full time on that, that allowed us to kind of build a, you know, a pipeline and a funnel of leads. And, and it, it didn't, it didn't happen overnight, but after, you know, her being in that role of for six months or so we started to really sort of, that started to really sort of snowball and word of mouth referrals and, and things like that. And it, we were able to then, over the, the course of the next couple of years, pretty steadily grow and, and add em, employees. And now we're a, we're a team of eight or nine, if, if you count interns and part-time with some other contractors and stuff. So it's been kind of adding a couple full-time people a year for the last you know three years or so. And what was that unique value that you guys were providing to people and your sales pitch that was making you, you know, land new business and stand out from other people? I think, um, you know, a, a thing we learned early on was that as much as the idea of building this technology-focused, efficient, automated accounting firm was, was, was and still is at the core of what we wanted to do, uh, it's, it's really about client service and relationships. And I think that if you talk to our clients, I think they would answer this question the same way. They feel like with us, they're, they're working with a partner and somebody that's invested in them as a business and, and wants to see them grow. Um, and, and I think the, the, the value that we can offer is that, you know, we're trying to be more than just an accountant that's like shipping off numbers and stuff, but we're trying to, to really understand the business and, and, and it, it matters to us. Like if our businesses are successful, a lot of them are in Columbus and they're, you know, people we know personally. So it, it, it matters to us and we're invested and we feel like we have skin in the game. And, and I think that comes through in, in working with us. Yeah, and were there any moments, so I, what I'm curious about, and this is kind of taking a step back, but were there any moments early on when you felt like personally or maybe you know, your team felt like, hey, maybe this isn't going to work? Maybe is there, was there a point in time where you guys felt challenged or felt like, like hey, mm-hmm. like, we're taking a big risk here? I think there were a lot, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, especially you know we go back to those like that first 18 months maybe you know where i talk about it's like when you start to calculate your hourly rate and stuff it's like i can make more more money than this you know doing a lot of other things and i'm way more stressed 
like, is this, is this worth it? And I, I always thought that it was, but there was definitely a question to me of, um, am I going to look back on this someday and just feel like I lost a couple of years, you know, like just working 60, 70 hours a week or whatever. And then, cause you, you know, you had, we had a lot of success in terms of the clients were happy, but it was taking so much effort to find that balance of like, can we charge a fair price and find new leads and like just build this thing that works that, that you know, I questioned a lot throughout the first 18 months, like I said, and, and then um, you just keep going, you know, and it's just that that's the thing that we did the best at was just kept going. And it, even when it felt like that, it was like, let's just keep going. And I, I think you're, that attitude comes through to your clients. Like even if you make a mistake or even if you mess up, like if you're, if you're just always there and going and reliable and you're always showing up for your, your, your meetings and you're always showing up for work and you're, it just comes through and it eventually even it, I think when you're zoomed in and, and you're pouring so much of yourself into something and, and you're, you're looking at the, the micro level of like, we just made three mistakes today. It can feel like it's all coming unraveled. But then when you, you take a step back and you zoom out. It's like, oh no, we're actually doing pretty good compared to last quarter. You know, it's just that class, sort of that that entrepreneur kind of mindset of you're always beating yourself up. And and so that there was definitely a lot of that, and there still is a lot of that going on. But it, it was it was it was tough. But the the continue the continuing to keep going is is what got us through all that. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think we experience uh, kind of a similar dilemma here at our. We're still a startup company for the most part, and you're constantly focused on the areas we need to improve instead of dwelling on things that you've done right. So, you know, when you take time to step back and you have, whether it's, you know, so many customers landed party or so many years of business parties, and you kind of look at the years as they unwind and you realize the things you've done right up to that point is kind of a refreshing outlook. But I'm mm -hmm. curious, you know, if I'm a startup or I'm a freelancer or um, any of your um, target customer segment, what does the competitive landscape look like for you guys? And how are you guys competing against them when you're sitting down with these people? Yeah, and I, I think it's changing a little bit. I mean, as we as we grow and evolve as a firm, I think we're trying to um, you know to move up market a little bit. And um, excuse me, I think you know we, we started out. It was it was we we're, were targeting um, freelancers and, and really small businesses because we didn't have that track record of, of servicing bigger businesses. And we were probably coming up against, you know, part-time bookkeepers or the do it yourself model and whatever. And, and now, um, I think we really do feel like after, uh, kind of building this foundation that we can go out and, and compete with either sort of full-time, you know, replace a full-time employee, replace a controller, replace a clerkship or hack and a big, a you know, we feel like we can compete kind of all over the place, but also that there's this, maybe this gap in the, in the market where, I mean, we, we service a lot of startups, right? We service a lot of people that have been on this podcast. There's not a great option, um, at least in our mind, to, to, you know, to outsource your accounting to somebody, like I said, that was going to be that business partner. So, because you've got a big firm that it's not very cost-effective to outsource your daily accounting operations to, or you've got maybe a, a part-time accountant or a, or, a, or a bookkeeper or something that is probably more expensive than us. So we kind of try to slide into that into that zone of, Hey, like we'll take on all of your accounting operations, and we can do this probably better than a full-time person could do it. But we're not gonna charge you like what Deloitte would. Um, but you know, as again, as we go up market, we're gonna continue to, to bump into that, and we're gonna have to c compete with them. And I think um, our model is is 
built on um, kind of that partnership aspect that I described, but also um, being being able to be flexible and take advantage of uh, building a custom like technology focused practice a plan that's like we we may use five different software tools to service what you need, but if that's what you need, like we'll go out and learn how to use them and we'll implement them. And and so I think we're very flexible in, in the way that we can kind of build packages for, you know, maybe you need Expensify to do expenses and Bill.com to do bills and Gusto to do payroll and we'll put all these things together and come up with a way to to service your business with the most efficient tools out there. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the future, Merit mm -hmm. Upsource Accounting. What, yeah. are, what are your plans for the next five years, both for the business and personally? Yeah, no, I, um, it's, it's fun to think about because it, this is kind of, uh, this you know, podcast kind of lands at a neat little bookmark of we're coming right up on kind of, well, five years of me being full-time officially. The, the company's been around for just over, you know, five years. Um, if, if you go back to sort of that nights and weekends phase. And so it's kind of fun to think about well, what's the next five years look like. And, and looking back, um, we were just kind of looking at this with the staff as a little bit of like a celebratory thing. It, uh, it took us, we talk a lot about sort of that first 18 months or whatever. It took us almost four years from the time we founded the company to send out our, our first million dollars of invoices. Um, which to be totally transparent, right? And so that was, and again, that was a lot of just me doing work and, and one other person. And then it took us about, well, we're gonna send out our next million like next month, which is about 18 months. So we, we went from four years to 18 months for how long it took us to build that sort of incremental million dollars. And so now it's like, that to me is, it's sort of, that's that sort of that zoom out, right? It's like, if you would have asked me earlier today, I, pro I probably would have been look, focused on some mistake and I would have been upset about the whole company or whatever. But you zoom out and it's like, wow, this is working, this is cool. What does the next five years look like? And that's where I think we go back to that big vision of, okay, we've answered that question of, okay, if you're gonna build an accounting from scratch, like what would it look like? We've kind of got this model and we've shown that it works. Like how, how big can you replicate that? And I think, so more than a specific growth number plan, I think we just wanna keep going in that direction. I, mean, I think the one thing we've definitely proved works and we want to do over the next five years is open in more cities. So like this Columbus office is really plugged into this Columbus community. And so I wouldn't want to say like, let's just keep growing and, and keep servicing the whole country from Columbus. Like what I think we really want to do is say, let's replicate that in Cincinnati. Let's replicate that in Cleveland. Let's replicate. And because there's definitely a community aspect of it. Um, but now that we have the blueprint, right? We have the model. So, so let's go out and, and replicate it in some more cities. So if, if we're projecting five years down the road, I think our goal as a company is to continue to replicate the success we've had here um, and continue to build this office in Columbus market too, but also um, see if we can do this again in, in other cities and stuff. So does that blueprint focus more on your target demographic, like the people that you enjoy working with, or is it centered around the processes that you have in place with your employees, like do you guys have um, protocols and things in place where you can start to scale and you think that you can put people remotely and see success without you having to micromanage those situations? Yeah, I mean, that is the, that is the idea, yes. And it's, 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 it's accounting, right? So it's super process oriented, but our goal is to, is, it's definitely we need good talented people, but, but our goal is mm -hmm. to basically be able to say, um, you know, here's the blueprint, this works, like follow this, follow the process, and we're gonna be successful. We don't, we think, you know, there's a, you're gonna, we're gonna be a lot more successful if we rely on 
our employees to execute a really good process rather than saying like, you know, keep going out and reinventing the wheel, right? So the idea is we have these sort of bulletproof blueprints and processes where we sign a client up and it's, hey, like this is what you need. Like we're telling them, they're not telling us, like we're telling them, like based on what you've told us, we've had several, you know, scoping calls with you, like this is what you need. This is our pre-existing process for this. Now of course we're gonna customize everything, but we're getting to the point now where we've worked with hundreds of clients and we have all these different um, pieces of history to say, let's let's do this here where we can pretty much have a process ready for them to kick off with them in that first month and it's executing on something we've already done which is new which is relatively new for us like we've only been doing that for for you know this last year or whatever so it's i'm excited to see where that takes us but that's definitely kind of i guess again like sort of this 5 year mark where we'd like to say okay let's turn the page from reinventing all these new processes and start replicating things we know we're really good at Definitely, definitely. And so uh, I, I guess my question from there is, you know, as you grow into different spaces, I know, you know, being local is an important piece, but you look at a company like, I don't know, you know, the big five accounting firms you talk about, like they have local branches all over the place, but yeah. they don't feel local when you walk in. Yeah. Are you ever worried about, as you grow and add different cities, are you ever worried about losing that local touch because you're not mm -hmm. a local firm anymore? Yeah, I, I am, to be honest, yeah. And I think, I think where I would start with it is, um, one of the things that's the most important to us is sort of culture and, and we try to always like put our employees first and treat them like partners in the business and, and, and like you would want to be treated as an employee, which is you know not necessarily how you get treated at, at one of the big four firms. Um, and one of the reasons for that is that those firms are big and they're trying to grow and they have certain targets and things. And so I think the, the first thing that's important to me is that as we grow, we don't um, jeopardize the way that our employees feel like they're treated. Um, I, and I think we can do that. And I think it's just about, like we said, we, we had the opportunity to build this from the ground up. So we got, we get to decide, you know, how fast do we grow or what are the targets or, you know, how busy are we going to force individuals to be? Um, and so I, I, you know, I feel confident that, that we can protect that, but I think it's important. And then, and then, yeah, I agree from the client service standpoint, even though you walk into a local branch of a, of a large firm, it, it doesn't feel small so it's a it's a challenge and that's that's a future you know state question but I, I think um, again it starts with that sort of that client firm relationship of hey this is about more than your income statement your balance sheet this is about a, a partnership and so part of the process and the model that we're putting in place is, is to say you know this is your team of people it's two or three total people at the firm, no matter how big we get. And, and so you're gonna know their name and you're probably gonna know some things that are going on in their life. And I don't envision that part changing. Um, that the idea is that you would still, if you come to work with us, feel like, oh yeah, this is my team and it's a couple people. Um, and, and, and I can you know, have pretty well, I can access them whenever I want. So, but it's a challenge and it's definitely something that we need to you know, keep a close eye on so we don't screw it up as we grow. Do you guys do anything else unique as a team? I mean, because as a small knit group like that, it could mm -hmm. either be um, extremely positive or you could have, you know, small little fallouts that can become kind of catastrophic. So what mm -hmm. do you guys do that's unique that kind of keeps you um, kind of tightly knit? And have you ever had any fallouts? And if so, as leadership, how have you worked to resolve those and keep the culture strong? Yeah. I mean, so we, we haven't really had any of those kind of those fallouts or, or and, and it's definitely, you know, possible, at a, especially like I said, it's close to the team, we're all around each other, a very confined environment. I think the, the, the thing that is the most um, responsible for this is just that we've been fortunate enough to hire really good people. 
and that's not even that's a lot of that's luck i mean i think we've done a really good job throughout the recruiting and interviewing process but we've just we've, we have great people that work for us and that's that's so important especially if you're like one of the first six or seven people at a company like you're gonna shape how that company does and we have our team has as we've added to it has been so selfless and like team focused that like that kind of stuff has never come up and i think the other thing one of the things that helps that too is just that we do make a point to kind of keep that culture first so whether that's you know making sure we go to lunch together once a week or something you know on a friday or you know we we it's busy season and we're all crazy and we're all stressed but like the first round of the NCAA tournament was on a couple weeks ago so we went out and we spent a couple hours just watching basketball right and that stuff to me it's it's hard to do because it's like especially in april because it's like it's stressful but it pays off so so in dividends because you you've got a team of people that really care about each other and so if something comes up or somebody makes a mistake like nobody's pointing any fingers everybody's like let's you know how can we help out kind of a thing and and that's been again that's not even to toot like my horn or our horn as a company that that's to say like i don't know we would have never been able to do this without getting without hitting five home runs in a row on hires and and that's that's been so critical so hopefully i mean that's another thing with the growth is like how do you keep doing that right as you keep hiring more people i'm like how do i find only good people so which is you know that's another challenge for growth but i think it putting a being able to hire good employees is it, early on has been a huge key for us and the chance that any of your clients are currently listening by watching the final <laughs> final four he meant doing your taxes so don't worry don't yeah, 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 into that yeah. one. no we were actually in a client meeting and we were we, I, had, I had i had emailed the client like hey like it was supposed to be from like three to four or something i was like can we move this like two to three or whatever and uh they were like yeah but could we maybe do like 2 30 to 3 30 and i was like yeah like that's fine and it was funny because we were sitting in the meeting and like right at three like four people got up and walked out and and they were like oh you're trying to watch basketball and i was <laughs> like yeah yeah that's what we're trying to do and of course like we have good relationships with our clients so they were like oh well you should have said something like get out of here we'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow or whatever but yeah it's uh we, we, we snuck in a couple hours of fun and then I guess one final question before we kind of uh, hit you with kind of our, our actual last question. Mm -hmm. What does your interview process look like when you bring people in? Is it multiple rounds of interviews? Um, are you trying to get to know them just from a technical standpoint? Is there a lot of personality questions in there? Yeah, we, we try to just get to the – it's twofold. Um, and we, we try to make sure that it's uh, at least – two people have talked to the same person so that we're comparing notes kind of thing. But you're definitely trying to get the technical part is a it's table stakes, right? It's super required, but also the cultural part, it's like equally important. So we try to get to the bottom of um, how, how's the technical ability, but then also ask us a lot of just get to know you questions like character feel kind of stuff. And it's usually, you know, you can always mess up, but it's, it's usually pretty apparent. And this is not to say like we need our everybody to be a certain way. It's just more that um, there are certain things like being humble and selfless and things like that that just you need to be to be a part of a small team. And um, so we try to get a feel for those things. But also, of course, you know, it, it, it starts with the technical ability part. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's a great place to pivot into our real last question, mm -hmm. uh, which is centered around the theme of our show here at Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about what it means to me and Josh, uh, what do you think of when you hear the phrase, and how does it apply to your life and career? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so, I mean, I think you know, the the first thing I would say is 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 kind of back to that um, sort of the general advice that dates back to that that fourth grade business you know contest. But it's 
you know, fig, living a couple can be, doesn't have to be always forcing yourself to do things that you're not good at or things that, that you're quote unquote uncomfortable doing. You can f figure, you know, there's going to be a time in your life probably if you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your career, you're trying to figure out what direction to go in your life. There are probably times in your life where you're looking around and you're thinking like, this is pretty easy for me compared to, compared to other people around me. And, and I would just say, do that more like just keep doing that and then when it gets to a point where you have to like commit to doing that and that's a really uncomfortable step like take it and and pursue that as a thing that 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 you do and so maybe that's at in your current position maybe that's at you know starting a company um but but pursue that thing that you feel like you're good at and 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 do that because like you know of source accounting we're good at different things than you are and you're good at different and we need to hire you for some stuff because you know we, we don't know how to uh design a flyer but uh, and, and I think the other thing I would I would say is is now as I'm thinking about what this means for me as a founder who's kind of done that right who's who's pursued that that thing and 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 spent time trying to build this company and 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 be an accountant is okay now you've you've got you've gotten somewhere with it you've got you have a company you have these processes that I talked about we have these growth plans that I talked about um, so that actually I mean that becomes relatively easy to find, not easy, but it's like, that's the natural path. Mm -hmm. So I think to me, like, what if you're saying, like, what does live uncomfortably mean uh, from here? It's like, be a part of, figure out some positive change that you wanna be a part of and, and force yourself as a company to, to pursue that. So, you know, um, very, very seldom does positive, you know, change come, come without struggle. So figure out, you know, and I've learned this from, from like clients, right? Like there, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in Columbus, whether it's, you know, small businesses kind of committing to better paid family leave policies or, or closing the gender pay gap or whatever it is. Like there's so much stuff happening right in Columbus. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of where it, where it hits home for me is like, okay, let's like pause for a second and figure out like, how can we kind of join in on this and and be a part of a solution and, and stuff? So, um, that that f for me is I think the most important part as we grow is like okay we've survived kind of that death you know survive or, or, or die moment that we talked about. How do we turn that into not just growing a company and being as big as possible and chasing down Deloitte or whatever? How do we turn that into making a positive impact on this community on other communities? Um, because that's a very uncomfortable thing for me. Like it's just easier to to just keep going to work and 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 trying to grow the business. But I think that we would turn around five more years from now and say like, how much you know could we have made a, a bigger difference? Well, Ryan, I think that's a great answer. And uh, thanks a lot for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate you having you here. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been it's been awesome to uh, to come check it out. If uh, anybody's listening here, that's part of the Columbus small business community. We've probably, you've probably helped us in some way or, or maybe we've had the chance to connect. So let us know how we can, uh, we can pay you back for that. It's, um, it's a, definitely a fun community to, to be a part of. Definitely. And Conquerors, uh, thanks for listening. That was Ryan Baker of Upsource Accounting and we'll have all their links up in the show notes. You want to go check them out. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to tune into the show and we'll talk to you next week. If you guys enjoyed that episode, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well as iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitchers, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And go ahead and click that subscribe button. It'll make sure you never miss another episode of Conquering Columbus. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to say thanks to all of our incredible sponsors one more time. Conquering Columbus is brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. 
The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. And for more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them, there's a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at gofmx.com. You can drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know you have to choose it and yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.